Well, good morning. Welcome. If we haven't been here before, and if you have, well, welcome again. I'm Rob, and I love a great underdog story, especially an underdog story that has the hero or the character not only overcoming adversity from others, but has to overcome some personal adversity. In fact, I found a story uh, last week that was so good, um, I wanted to share with you. So take a look at uh, this person. She's a 12-year-old named Darcy Lynn Farmer, and see if you can figure out the adversity that she is overcoming from out there and in here. My name's Darcy Lynn. Now, if you've ever watched Simon Cowell before, you'll know that he does not give out compliments very often. But did you catch the adversity in the story? Not only were there lots of acts that were going on, but there was a girl who had a dream of singing, but in the longer interview, she actually says she couldn't even sing in front of her own dad. She was just too nervous. And her parents actually, actually were very discouraging in the whole puppet thing. They're just like, you don't need a puppet, you can sing, you can do this, but she couldn't. And so they agreed that if a puppet was going to help her overcome this anxiety, then maybe it would be worth it. And now not only can she sing in front of her own dad, but she sang in front of hundreds, if not thousands, of people. It's a great underdog story. And I think for most of us, uh, we like a story like that. But we also want to skip or minimize the hard stuff. But it's actually in the hard stuff and the dark stuff that we discover what kind of worshipers we are. We're going to look at a story from Scripture that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's an underdog story, but it also goes behind the music because they were actually singing. And it teaches us how we can be people who praise God even in the dark times, even in the dark moments, because I I think we all need this story, because the world, the culture we live in has taught us to protest when we're in our dark moments, but what we need, and I believe what the world is waiting for, is people who can praise God in the darkest of times. So turn to Acts chapter 16, if you have a Bible. And if you don't, we're going to have this particular verse on the screen. Do we have uh, Acts 16.25? Maybe not. You know? Well, I'll read it to you. Then we'll come to this one. Acts 16.25 says that about midnight, these two characters on our story that we're looking at are named Paul and Silas. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. So if you uh, didn't know the story, and it's about midnight, and you're praying and singing to God, and other prisoners are listening, where do you think you are? Prison. Exactly. Now, I've never been in prison, in case you wanted to know, but, uh, but I was, never mind. Anyway, I don't know if I would be singing at midnight and have other prisoners listening to me. So we're going to look at why they're there, what happened, and they're actually in a dungeon, and why they can even praise God in this dungeon. 
So Acts 16, 16 tells us that, that Paul and Silas left. They picked up Timothy. They picked up Luke. And we pick up the story where they have now sailed to Philippi. Philippi is a leading Roman city. It's a colony in the southeastern corner of Europe. It's, it's in this place called Macedonia, but basically it's in Greece. And they go there to find some people who might be interested in hearing about God. After they meet one of them, they keep continuing to go back to that place of prayer. But each day they're going there, they meet this slave girl that is possessed by a spirit. She can tell the future and she speaks the truth. She actually says, um, these men are servants of the Most High God that are telling you the way to be saved. True statement. It's just that she was kind of blowing their cover before they got to do what they wanted to do. And so finally, in this moment of kind of annoyance, Paul says to her, in the name of Jesus, I command this spirit to come out of you. And the spirit left her, but the whole reason she was a slave was this spirit gave her the ability to tell the future. Now, if you're like, whoa, that is just weird, just hold on to that thought. We'll come back to that. But when the demon or the spirit left her, so did the ability to tell the future and make money. So it's like losing someone who works for you. And they were completely ticked off. They brought them, Paul and Silas, to the city officials. I'm not sure where Luke and Timothy were at this time, but we'll come back to that. And the city officials are both jury and judge. You know, they had the judicial and the executive powers, or the legislative powers, and they put them in prison. Oh, after they beat them with very thin baseball bat-like things. Okay, so it's, it's the stuff that we want to skip and get back to the singing. Like, why were they singing at midnight? But if we skip the hard stuff, then we actually rob God of his glory, of what he was doing in that moment. So we're just going to slow down the story here. Paul and Silas are attacked. They're beaten. They're put in prison. Unfairly, unjustly. And I think even though there was four of them, if you look further up in the story, you'll see that they got Timothy in Acts 16, 1 or 2. And then they picked up Luke in uh, verse 10 or 11, I think. And so there's four of them that are telling the good news. Now, I don't know, especially if, well, at any age, if you can remember back to elementary school, when someone, that there was more than one of, had a good idea. Maybe it was to put thumbtacks on the teacher's chair. Maybe it was to throw spitballs at the girl across, I mean, the boy across the room. I don't want to, you know, say it was just boys that think of these good ideas, but there's more than one of you doing this. But somehow, not everyone gets in trouble. Has anyone seen that, experienced that, or you, know, you don't have to say which one. If you've seen it or experienced it, okay, so a few of you. So four of them were telling the good news. Paul, Silas, Luke, Timothy. Two of them get put in prison, get beaten. Two of them are watching. Doesn't seem fair, but again, we can't skip the hard stuff or we miss why they could be singing. Well, it's very, very possible that when they picked up Timothy, we, we see this, that 
his father was Greek, his mom was Jewish, so they might have seen him as Greek or as Roman, i.e. not Jewish. As well as Luke is picked up on the way. We know Luke's a doctor, maybe something happened there, but they could have been both considered Roman, Greek, or whatever, not Jewish. So there's racism going on as well as injustice. They have to stand by and watch as their friends get beaten and put in prison. It could have been just as hard for them. But think about this. It's in the middle of the night. They've been beaten. Then it says that the, the crowd joined in and attacked them. After they had been flogged, they were thrown in prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And so when he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So you have to think chains, you have to think wooden, like almost leg cuffs, and they've been beaten. So I know that's not pretty, but every, with every beat of their heart, they feel the pain and the bruises and the cuts. And it's midnight. If you've ever been, if you've ever experienced trauma or pain, you often, I'm told, and I remember myself personally, that you can distract yourself during the day. But at night, your mind slows down and all you can think of is the pain. It's not like Paul and Silas just pulled out a copy of Jailhouse Rock just because everything was going to be fine. They had no idea if everything was going to be fine. These stories are not just stories from the Bible. They are stories that speak to us because they're about our lives as well. So if you've ever been in a situation where, again, something traumatic has happened or some pain has happened, and you're finding yourself having a hard time getting past it, this is your story. So why could they sing? I think the story actually gives us the clues to why they can sing. And, and it tells us how we can be people who sing. If you look earlier in the story, in verse 6, I think they could sing because they could see where hard stuff leads or see where persecution leads. How I get that clue is in verse 6, it says that Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Binthia, but the Spirit of God would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas, which is on the coast. And during the night, he has a vision. So these all sound like, if you, if you don't study this, then you're like, I have no idea what those words are or where they are. But... Imagine a map, and you're trying to get to the places you've been before. Maybe you want to go on a sightseeing tour, maybe you want to visit family. In this case, they wanted to go back to the towns. Paul wanted to go back to the towns that he had seen. And they are leaving from the middle of modern-day Turkey. And they can't go west, they can't go to the central part, and they can't go to the northern part. Now, it could be that the voice of God actually said, nope, I, I'm not letting you go there. It could be that he received a vision of the Holy Spirit saying, nope, I'm not going to let you go there. But I think more probable is that there was some obstacle. 
Potentially either the authorities wouldn't let them in, or Paul was sick and too sick to go there. Luke was a doctor, and he does get added to the story in this passage. Or the people just weren't receptive to the message of Jesus. But rather than see all the obstacles, they choose to see that in this persecution, the Holy Spirit's involved. The Holy Spirit prevented them. The Holy Spirit prevented them. The Holy Spirit prevented them three times in the central part, in the western part, in the northern part. And they choose to believe that they'd been sent by Jesus for a purpose and that any hardship they were coming from was a direction of the Holy Spirit. I think that's a reason they could sing. Paul later writes to the Romans that in Romans 5, verse 3, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials because we know that they develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. See, when, when you can see that the hard things that you're going through are actually producing a resiliency in you, an endurance in you, a perseverance in you, that, it's, that God is not letting you go through that so that you can just stay a victim or stay hurt or stay sad. I'm not saying what happened, whatever happened, isn't important. I'm not trying to invalidate it. I'm just saying that God sees the whole picture of our lives and he often lets us go through trials and trying times so that he can train us Train us to trust him, to follow him into the big stuff, the hard things that maybe you don't see yourself doing. Because if you really told us our whole life, we'd probably be in shock for a long time, and I think we'd be paralyzed to actually come into it. I remember the first time I had to give a speech in middle school or high school, I did so bad and I was so nervous that my knees were shaking. I'm not even sure you could see them. Like the picture was blurry. And my words were so fast that my four minute and 30 second or four minute and 40 second speech that I was supposed to give was actually one minute and 57 seconds long. I got to see. If God would have told me that I would speak somewhat effectively in front of large and small groups of people, I think I would have said, you have the wrong person. And that's just a small, small example of how God trains us to trust him and builds our endurance, which builds our character, which builds our hope into what truly, truly matters. That's the first reason I think they could sing, because they could see where persecution leads There was an iPad video, a a research thing that I shared this week about technology and how the younger and younger we give children technology, the the less and less they develop resiliency. Because, you know, learning to read a book without pictures and small words is hard. You know, so if if a screen can move and praise you every time you get something right, it's way more fun. And yet, we're developing a whole group of people, according to these researchers, that not only lack imagination, but can't develop resiliency. And kids, I'm not trying to take away your screen time. It's just a reality of of the culture we live in. We need resiliency to overcome adversity. 
But I think the second reason that they could see sing at night was because they could see what people really need. It says during the night, Paul has this vision to go over to Europe. Macedonia is in another continent. They're not only seeing new people, they're going to new places. And when they go to places in the past stories, the whole reason that Paul went on this trip and took Silas was because that Paul and another guy went on a different trip earlier, and they decided to split up, actually, over a big disagreement. So Barnabas, the other guy, took one of their other people that came. Don't get lost in the details. They went by sea to the places that they went before. Paul took Silas, and they went by land. They were able to go to a few cities that they'd been through before, picked up Timothy, and then they encounter all this opposition. And it's in this moment of seeing where the persecution leads that they end up in this new continent. But their plan each time was, let's go to the synagogues, let's go to the churches, if you will, the places of worship, and reason with the people there. And this is the way that we'll find people and show people who Jesus is. That's always their plan, except when they go to this new place, there's not a synagogue. There's not enough Jewish men to make the building, and so they give up. No, that's not what it says. It says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gates in Acts 16, verse 13. We went outside the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Not where we expected to find a synagogue. They'd already scoped out the place. They already said, oh, there's no physical places of worship. But there's always places where people worship. It was true then, it's true for us today. Do you know where the places of worship are for the people that you care about? Might be on the golf course. Might be at a sporting event. Might be on a Saturday night in someone's backyard. But there's places of worship everywhere. Paul and his friends found them, found people that were praying. And actually, the first person in Europe to say yes to Jesus that's recorded in Scripture is a wealthy immigrant woman. Her name's Lydia. She sells purple cloth. Purple cloth is a rare commodity, so she'd have to be pretty good at it. She's probably making a good amount of money at it. And she's from a city called Theatira, which again is this place in Asia. Not local. I think that's significant. This is the first time that there's a first convert in Europe, and it's a wealthy immigrant woman. Because she opened her heart to the Word of God, because she was at a place of prayer, and because they met them there. The second person is crazy. She's the slave girl that we talked about at the beginning. Opposite end of the age status and, and socioeconomic status. And it's not that being a businesswoman and an immigrant for Lydia is bad. It's just that it's not enough. See, to say what people truly need is to look at where they're at and actually find the good in it, if there's good in it. And there's likely a lot of good in Lydia being a worshiper of God, in Lydia selling the purple cloth, and in Lydia being an immigrant. It's just that there's more. 
There's this true life with Jesus that's connected to everything. And they find a way to share that. The slave girl has this ability to tell the truth. Like, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they are showing you the way to be saved. That's right! But you're also being exploited and owned. And that's not good. And the crazy part is, when they expel the demon, we don't even find out if they actually free her from the slavery. Like, that's a justice issue, and that's really important. But they do say that she's freed from the demon, which means that is ultimately important. So again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight the injustices of the world. We should free slaves. We should not let women be exploited. But if we fail to share what really, truly, ultimately sets people free, then we've missed it. That's why I think that fact isn't omitted, but how she's freed from the demon is. So she's spiritually set free. See, they can see because that's what people really need. When Job is this Old Testament character, when he is going through hell and back, when everything is taken from him, there's this moment at the end of his life where it says in Job 42.10 that Job prayed for his friends and then the Lord restored to him what was lost. I kind of wonder if Job would have just prayed to get everything back if it actually would have happened. But Job could see that, yes, I've lost all this, but what truly matters is that my friends are disconnected from God. In Job 42, he prays for his friends because that's ultimately life. Luke 15 tells a story about a lost coin and a lost sheep and a lost son, and it says there's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner comes back to God. That's what we really need. And I think that's why they could sing, even when it was dark, because they knew what people truly needed. And the last reason that I think they could sing because they could sing even in the dark was because they could see beyond the prison walls. So I'm going a little abstract, but darkness means that we can't see. Both physically, because whenever I go into one of my daughter's rooms, usually the one that likes to collect more things at the foot of her bed, and it's dark, I end up scraping my knee and saying like, which is a bad word that is appropriate to say in front of your kids. But it's because I can't see it's just not helpful. It's not that, this bad, that bad. And in the same way, when we're in a prison, there's walls that keep us from seeing. Except I used to take these adventure trips with middle schoolers, and we'd go down a river, and the, the guides would teach us how to paddle and teach us what to look for. And we'd go around these bends, and then we could see a ways down, and and so then they'd say, hey, in three C2s, there's a rapids ahead. Well, a C2 meant a length of distance that you could see, S-E-E, two, T-O. And so all of those lengths were different, but they knew the river so well, it's like they could see beyond the C2s. 
They could see beyond the walls of the river because they'd been down it before. So I think Paul and Silas could actually see beyond the prison walls. They knew what true freedom was so they could sing in their shackles because they weren't really prisoners. They had a relationship with Jesus that had transformed their life and they knew freedom. So in the story, it's a great story. You should, we should spend hours on it, but we won't. At midnight, they're singing and praising God and there's an earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and all at once the doors flew open and everyone's chains fell off. If you were in prison and the walls fell down and the chains fell off, I think you would run for the hills. You'd be like, yes, freedom. Probably put some blue makeup on and get a horse. Braveheart. Sorry. Verse 33. At the hour of the... Oh, no. Sorry, not verse 33. Verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw that all the prison doors were open, he drew his sword to kill himself because he knew that if the prisoners escaped, it would be on him. And rather than ask to turn on the lights, which he will later, he's ready to kill himself first. It's like being in the middle of the darkness and choosing not to see, let alone choosing not to sing. Stick that in your pocket for later. Sometimes all we have to do is just keep going one more day when we're in the dark. A pain, when we're in the dark of a hurt, when we're in the dark of trauma, just go one more day. Sometime the light's going to come on. And Paul shouts out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. How would they stay? And we're all here, not just Paul and Silas, all the prisoners. I think that all those prisoners were singing and praising God. They were hearing the praise. They were realizing what real prison was and what real freedom was. And it was about Jesus, not about the place they were. And they all stay too. Not only that, when the jailer does call for the lights, verse 29, and he rushes in and he falls before them, he says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have real freedom? Because all my life, I am shackled up. I'm locked up worrying about if a prisoner's going to escape. But yet, when the doors are open, you all stay? What's up with that? Believe in Jesus. See beyond the prison walls here. So that's why I think they could sing. They could see beyond those walls. And not only that, but sometimes God sets us free to leave. Sometimes he sets us free to stay. See, Paul and Silas knew that there were people that needed to know Christ that were only going to find him if they were going to actually sing and talk in the prison. And the first church that started in Philippi is filled with a wealthy immigrant woman, I think maybe a freed slave girl, we don't know, and a jailer and his family. A wealthy immigrant woman and her family, a jailer and his family, they make the first church plant of Philippi. Who knows who else came, but later Paul writes to them. Later Paul writes to them in Philippians 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day 
until now, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion of that day in Christ Jesus. Job does ask before he prays for his friends, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? These songs that we can sing when life is hard, when it doesn't make sense and when we don't have all the answers. But we are never, never brighter as lights for God when the world around us is dark. People may hear your words and your life more in a moment of trial than they will ever hear it in a moment of goodness. That's a reason to sing. It's a reason to sing that people need to hear. It's a reason to sing that persecution will lead to progress, will lead to resiliency, will lead to hope. And it's a reason to see, sing when we can see beyond the prisons that our lives are filled with to the true freedom. You know, it took this Darcy girl to get a puppet to be able to sing in front of her dad. And now, like, the world waits. Maybe not the world, but she's got 14 million views on YouTube. There's a whole lot of people that are waiting for her to sing in Hollywood this fall. And that's just a song. We have a song of a God who saves us from the darkness of our lives and the darkness of the world. And he saves us to share it. Will you? We're going to have a moment of silence before we take communion. And I just invite you to ask God for what you might need right now. Whatever you need, so you can praise him in the midst of your problems. Lord, when praise is the last thing on our minds and we choose it anyway, I think you call it a sacrifice of praise. Holy Spirit, would you be present with us now and fill us in a restoring way in this time of communion. Jesus, you were able to sing a hymn of praise even, after, even though you knew you were going to be betrayed by a friend condemned by a crowd. You praised anyway. God, we want to be people who praise. We gather to praise you. We gather to receive your gift and your sacrifice in this bread and this juice. And Lord, we pray now as you taught your disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, may your name be held holy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.